this is Zara from dentalprofitmachine.com. Today we have a very special guest, um, Jeff. He is um, specializing in dental website design and digital marketing. And um, um, we have this honor today to interview him on Dental Pro Profit Machine podcast. Hey, Jeff, it's an honor to have you here on the show or podcast. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your background a little bit and how the hell did you get into dental industry? <laughs> Uh, I, I kind of got tricked into it. Um, I didn't want to be in the dental industry. And that was always uh, one of the pathways that was very much pushed on me as a kid. My dad was a dentist. His dad was a dentist. I had like eight dentists in my family. So Thanksgiving, like yeah. our holidays, you know, it's just a lot of dentists sitting around the table talking about, you know, dentistry. And Almost the clinical like, side. No choice other than that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're captive oh, audience. Yeah. And so I, I was never really interested in the, the clinical side of it, but the business side of it always interested me. Um, and so I would just sit around, you know, the table for years and absorbing, you know, all the, uh, the, the problems and challenges that my aunts and uncles and dad were having. Um, and eventually I decided to go into um, electrical and computer engineering. Um, I mostly did software and my dad wanted help getting on the internet. And so I made him a website and then he wanted a new one. And then the uncles got wind of this and they wanted one too. And I ended up building software to kind of manage all this at once. Um, I just learned how to build multi-tenant software. So you just have one bit of software and you have multiple different kind of expressions of it. Um, and I was like, oh, I could do this for, for dental websites. I thought I'd be out of that project in six months. And that was 15 years ago. Um, they started <laughs> referring their friends and such a long six months. <laughs> yeah. Today we work with about 950 practices around the world, um, including 130 in Australia. And uh, it's been a fun ride. That's awesome. So, um, would you like to tell us a little bit about that software? Cause I'm intrigued to know what it um, is. Yeah. The whole, the whole idea and the frustration I had, uh, like it was the, especially with marketing and you probably see this websites will start to like go out of date like in like three to five years and the technology they were built on is not relevant anymore. Whatever was done for the mobile website doesn't work on the new devices or Google's changed what they wanted. There's constant uh, little changes for search engine optimization, best practices. There's little integrations that you have to make. Um, and then you, um, and so I, I was looking I, and I wanted to build something that could grow. And it really, it became apparent that either you become like this kind of, service uh, boutique. And a lot of people do this and do great work, but I wanted to make a software product. And I guess that was just my engineering hat as I was trained to do and what I wanted to build. But I figured if we made software the way I wanted, uh, the way I described with one kind of software installation for everybody, and then just different configurations of it, you could have you get the best of both worlds. Every all the content could be unique, all the design could be unique, but the the way that mobile sites were presented to Google, all the SEO technical uh, specifications Google wants, the little features that would change, you could just turn them on and off, and you could just kind of build things at scale. And Tesla does this with their cars. Mm -hmm. You know, where auto autopilot's not working, well, okay, push out a new update, um, so we don't crash into into that anymore. Um, and we had the same approach. Oh, Google changed something. Okay, we'll push out an update to everybody. We did this during COVID um, when, you know, completely unexpected, all of our clients across the world um, were or given shutdown orders by their governments um, overnight. And uh, we had to put up little, and then they were allowed to like open again, but for emergencies. And then depending on the jurisdiction, like there's this like phased reopening. 
And so we rolled out a new feature for this like, you know, display bar at the top. It was populated with default text, gave people instructions to change it, and the feature was done overnight and everybody's in compliance and we didn't have to charge anything for that. And so that's always been our philosophy is we, the, the company we're trying to build is sort of like dental websites as a service, um, where the service you're getting is your website will constantly be kept up to date technically. And then every couple of years when your design is out of date, you just redo to the design or pick a free one from our template gallery if one of those suits you. Um, that's really what we're trying to deliver to the dental industry. And then we have a, a digital agency that does digital advertising, SEO, paid search, uh, Facebook ads, copywriting, creative design on, on top of that as needed for clients. Cool. That's very interesting, especially if you have um, a larger scale of websites that you're managing um, or the clients also have access to do those updates themselves. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, we Our interests are very much aligned. If um, the, the original test uh, user for this was my mom, um, who I've always okay. said, you know, she'll, she would call me up and need help uh, at the time. I'm, I'm sure she can do it now, like attaching a picture of the dog to an email to send to the kids. And like, oh, look, we took the dog for a walk. You know, mom thinks that now get posted to Facebook. Um, but we wanted it to be easy for, um, you know, people like that who had no experience ever updating a website, but they could, you know, fill out a form, attach a picture from the homepage. So everything's built like that. Um, and to literally test it on my mom. And if it won't work on her, we, we make it a little <laughs> easier. Um, the whole idea of that is we want people to have instant gratification uh, to update their site. And then we don't have to incur the support requests because all our support mm -hmm. is unlimited and free. So we've tried to align um, everybody's incentives that way. That's very interesting. I didn't know there is such a um, saying. So thank you for opening our eyes to this new option. I'm actually very interested to check it out later on. Does this software have any names? Um, we've never really named it. We've just referred to it as the platform um, or you know, the, our, our CMS. Um, but yeah, we, maybe you can give us a good name where I, I, I called the company great dental websites and that kind of just stuck. I'm clearly not good at naming things. Um, although it seems simple, memorable enough, but simple yeah, things, um, are better. Hopefully. Yeah. So, um, um, so as of my understanding, it's not quite public yet. It, you're using it for your own inter, um, internal team and clients, um, or it's available publicly too. Oh, no, we interesting this thing. Um, I, apart from dental industry, I think anyone mm -hmm. could benefit from such features. We, we do. We have a couple dozen clients that are outside dentistry. We had dentists refer like their CPAs. We have dental CPAs that use the platform. My wife is a mental health therapist. We um, modified the platform to help uh, mental health therapists. Um, so we have like, I think, two dozen therapists. We have an ophthalmologist, a couple attorneys, medical doctor veterinarians. There you go. Uh, so the software has already been modified for, I think, like seven or eight different markets. Um, that, but dentistry is just the core of our, our business and where most of the, you know, the, the IP and the, the thought lies. Um, we do have clients to do everything themselves. Um, sometimes that I remember once calling a client, I can't remember why, but their, their front desk wouldn't let me talk to the doctor because they were like, no, Dr. Matthews, he <laughs> updates the website himself. I've seen him do it. And I'm like, I, I know, but we, we make the software uh, where he, he called me. I'm just calling him back. Uh, they're <laughs> always very suspicious of, you know, people calling up about websites. So we do. Um, and then we have, there's a couple of companies, uh, small like IT shops that resell our services. Um, so other companies re, uh, use it. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like GoDaddy where you can just go to the website, sign up with a credit card. You got to email us or call to get 
something set up. It's a little more technically complex, um, unfortunately, but we do have other companies that do it. We have clients that think we're a software company, not a marketing company. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I asked too many questions about this particular one because I was interested in myself particularly. Um, so let's get to the actual uh, website uh, design for dentists. Let's get to dentists. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully we can share some um, golden nuggets and tips and tricks for them that are actionable, even the later ones to give them some idea and inspiration, even if they mm-hmm. can implement it and um, see the results for themselves. So um, I've got some questions here and I might have a few other questions just to expand the yeah, conversation. So for dental uh, websites, um, first of all, what contents do we think dental practices need to put on their websites? Um, the things that we, we typically are badgering clients to put up there, uh, we want before and after cases. Uh, and in Australia, the regulations are a little tighter. Um, Opera wants, you, you cannot use other people's work. I know that in the US, well, sometimes people just use stock photography of before and after cases. You cannot do that um, in any state in Australia. You, um, and you have to be realistic about you know, what's going on. You can't promise people that'll happen. You say, this is an example, you know, mileage, your mileage may vary, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, I, I'd like to have video content of the dentists. A lot of times people have a phobia of going to the dentist. I went to my dad for, you know, 35 years before I moved. Um, so I never really was afraid to go to the dentist unless I'd gotten like a bad grade or in trouble at school. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are terrified. And you know, they've oh. had a negative experience. They had a lot of pain and being able to have the dentist come on video and just, just talk to people um, is such like a big deal for some people who are just, who haven't gone and keep putting it off and are terrified to go to the dentist. And it just lets them emotionally connect with the dentist. It's a lot easier to do that via video than text or, or pictures. Um, so those, if, if, a, if a dentist, a client just asked me that, yeah, what, what can I do to help with this? Do those two things. Um, once clients get through that, you know, they can add blog posts and add FAQs and get involved in social media, stuff like that. Um, but those are the minimums we try to do. And then it comes down to like what the dentist is passionate about. Some dentists get really into, you know, like TikTok of all things. Um, and they start posting videos there. They get a following. That's <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm I'm too old for TikTok. I think I, I don't have it. TikTok, um, but I think it's uh, fun. <laughs> it's funny. See, fun. Well, it's funny videos. You know, I see get posted on there. I feel like I'm too old to get it though. Um, but the uh, I, I I all of our staff are on TikTok all the time. Um, so you know, yeah, you gotta hire you gotta hire younger people. But yeah, those I I mean those are the two main things I want dentists to do. Um, there's lots of content things that an architecture of the site that you probably need to work with a professional with, unless you're going to develop websites as a hobby, uh, which some dentists do. Um, you got to have services on their own page. Um, each, uh, they each need their own landing page. Otherwise it's really hard to rank for, you know, like Invisalign and, you know, Bondi Junction or something. Um, it, it becomes tricky when it's all the content's on one page. So it's, it mostly comes down to having great written content about and unique about what you do and giving them a little bit, uh, a taste of your work and what your personality is. That gives the marketing company a lot of, you know, raw material to work with. Yeah, definitely. I do agree. And with video, yeah, I, I think videos are great, especially um, when you put the video of a dentist on their website, especially maybe on the header section or about us yeah. section. 
the people will see the dentist is human too they can connect and all that it's not something scary like come here i'm gonna <laughs> like really old yeah. mindset um it's really scary for a lot of people still i think video would be something to change that general public mindset about dentists especially these days dentists going to a dentist is like going to a meditation or something it's really it's cool it's relaxing the staff are so nice to you the dentist is cool and up to date and all that it's it can be, yeah yeah it's good totally um so with websites a lot of um your digital marketing you know that we've got two way these days the popular way of dentists getting more new patients digitally um in new days rather than traditional way of marketing they they're on google google has two ways of getting traffic better ads or organically ranking so as um you might know with website the main website we mainly use it for seo we don't use single landing page to rank those but do you recommend the main website for google ads or any kind of ads as well or you recommend landing page single landing pages that are focused to send paid traffic to and what are the difference and benefits and pros and cons of each if you want to discuss that we do a little of both uh with paid search ads so yeah the main website um we of course that's where all the effort is going for um seo ranking for you know the main searches to a city and you know, all the variations and then searches for you know invisalign and bondi junction dental implants and bondi junction and stuff like that um when it comes to paid search we we do a mix so we have we will typically drive traffic to landing pages that are produced by our content management system. Um, so it'll, it'll start to pull content from around the site and create a shortened version of the service landing pages. And then we have like a, a what we call the guinea pig group of like six or seven clients that, that have raised their hand and said, I would like a little bit more attention, but I understand that that comes with the risk of it doesn't always go right. You know, we're, we're trialing this. And um, so those, what we typically do is we'll run like a small cohort of our clients using unbounce um, with landing page modification. So like, um, I think we just changed like the call to action color to pink recently. And like that, that really boosted the nice. conversion rate, which is, which is heinously ugly, but it worked. Um, and then, you know, there are some advantages um, in turning off like navigation and the footer and kind of removing choice from people and just kind of giving them, well, you know, all you can do is book or one link. option. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's that was Steve Jobs' idea. You know, he he took all the all the buttons off the mouse, just one button, just to click. Yeah. Um, and so there there is some advantage to simplifying the design. Um, and you, there's other things you can do to try to capture people leaving. Um, you know, with you detect the mouse going towards the back button, or you can show them a little like email capture or something as a last gasp uh, to try to it get their attention. Pop up, they call it. Yeah. So exactly it pops up as soon as they want to yeah so we do we do it both we have we have the way that we're doing it that we know works and then we have the way that we think might work better that we're constantly trialing with a group and then the the that the results of that get pushed to engineering the platform gets updated and everybody gets the new improved landing pages and that goes in like a monthly cycle cool so for um yeah with paid ads and landing page a lot of split testing would be nice to do, but um, the higher the budget you have, the more split testing you can do and test different things. Um, but it, then um, you also can um, 
congregate and put all those split test results into one and create one single landing page that you know what works. You put yeah. different things together and you know those things work. Cool. Um, what's my next question about websites? So with websites, um, is there any different do, do, do does web, ugh, I can't talk to it does website need to be a little bit different for different people who are looking for different treatments let's say for example someone is looking for Invisalign um, to get information about Invisalign and all that is it better to send them to the general website so they get some information learn about the um, dental office and dentist or is it better to send them to a page that is specifically talking about Invisalign and the dentist and how they can help if you know before and afters and all that um, well it, each one has better uh, you know uh, well i mean if a client has dis or if a patient has displayed intent um you know we're always like you know if, if they if we're running an ad for invisalign we're always sending them to an ad about or a landing page about invisalign or if somebody just asked the front desk for information i would definitely send them to the landing page themselves um and you know they can always click the home page or something to get off it uh, and learn more about the dentist. The way that we typically build landing pages will be, you know, kind of like the the quick facts at the top um, of like oh, if you already know what you want, and you want to book, great, it's right there. And then there's content to entice you and educate you and tell you about the benefits, why you would want this, how it's going to go, um, you know, call to action in the text. And then we have a bunch of related content, so bios about the dentist or um, oral surgeons or orthodontists in this case that may be um, performing the procedure. Then we'll show before and after cases. Um, in the jurisdictions when we can, um, we'll show patient testimonial videos. In Australia, you have to be very careful showing any patient testimonial videos that are talking about the clinical work. I mean, yeah, it, like, there are some like uh, some lines, very narrow lines you can go down. Um, if they're so talking about like, enough. yeah, well, everyone's nice here or like the office is clean i'm you might not be able to say that i mean it's it's generally no unless you know we this is our advice it, you really can't touch the clinical side at all um yeah and can. then you know any before and after cases well i think i mentioned that blog posts faqs so we try to assemble and our software will just do this automatically all the relevant content um that that somebody somebody might need in order to make a decision about invisalign and then if they want to see more before and after cases, they click into that section and it shows them all. If they want to read all the blog posts about Invisalign, they click into that and it shows them all. And then, you know, so on and so forth. That's typically been our approach. And if somebody tells you this is the service they want, don't don't make them hunt for it. Just send them right yeah. to the page. Yeah. That, that's kind of the home for that on your website, which is another reason that I want every service to have its own landing page. Yeah, definitely. Um... That's um, so true. Um, otherwise, they get distracted or they get frustrated. If they get on the main uh, homepage, they get frustrated not finding what they are looking for, and they just bounce back and go visit some other website. Oh, uh, the the uh, in, my, in a prior life when I was a software engineer, um, we would hire people for user testing, and we would always do like three rounds of five people. That was the best. <laughs> That was the, the science told us that for some reason somebody else did the work. But um, I remember I would sit in on these uh, things or, or watch people do it and like through a camera and like listening to their audio. And, and we've done that at this company too. We've hired, you hire people like um, via Upwork or something and you're like, go to the homepage and the, the, like the instructions are like, find out if this person offers Invisalign and how you would schedule an appointment. And you're like, 
and it seems so obvious to you as like the web designer, you know, when you built it, like, well, they would just go there, click on services, click on Invisalign, click on contact the office and we're done. This is going to be easy. And you see the person, they're like, well, it's probably under about, and you're like, no, why would you go there? Like it, it's so, it's so frustrating, but sometimes it's very humbling as you watch like four or five people make the same mistake and it dawns on you that you've made a critical error in the way that you've architected the site and you have to change it. It's humbling, um, but that that process is something that we've done many times over the years, and you you can't rely on the user to figure it out. You have to make it as easy for them as possible, as you alluded to. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Especially some dentists, they want to showcase one particular um, service more than the other ones. They got to make it easy for people to find that. That's uh, what they're passionate about or what they're good at. They want to do more of those services. You just got to make it more um, easier to find for people mm-hmm. or send people, if it's paid ads and all that, send people to a landing page that is specific to that particular service. Exactly. Cool stuff. Um, so is there any changes in the way we do website design? It's a digital storefront for dentists. Is it any difference from uh, the way we were doing it? We were doing the web design before COVID and lockdown. It's interesting. COVID isn't everything. You have to talk about it. What what was it like before COVID and how is it now after COVID? Any changes? Do we have to do anything differently? Yeah, I think that some of the communication um, tools were a nice to have before COVID. And now I think for some patients, they become a requirement. Um, And I think that trend will continue. The like having the ability to do online booking or at least like a contact form um, at the very least to, or to request an appointment. Um, I, I think you have to have that on the website. I think having an online chat feature or being able to do SMS communication with the office is another nice thing to do. Um, and one of the problems with these all these little widgets is they were built at a time when like, you know, there was very low penetration into the market for these tools. And so they all just want to have that little bottom spot in like the right corner of the screen. Mm-hmm. And then you know, these things start stacking up and you have like four or five floating things all over the website. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we've started to work with some of these companies to better integrate them into the website itself. Um, so it's not such a, you know, a mess. Um, and it, it, you know, especially like online booking, um, it can just be naturally replaced in the call to actions. Um, we've done that with several Australian companies with uh, My Health First, um, uh, Health Engine, and Dental for Windows, um, their integrated uh, scheduling tool. So we've, we've built those things right into our call to action buttons. And so instead of pulling up our contact form, it'll just pull up their online booking dialogue. Um, I think you'll see more of that. Um, same thing with like chat. Um, there's like little tools that people use to view their bill, pay their bills and uh, little, and this is all also happening at a point where dental practices in both the US and Australia are under a lot of pressure on the staffing side. Um, it seems like every client we have everywhere um, has staffing problems and people are resigning, people are turning over oh, and have- big yeah, and, They're reaching out to me to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> we need dental uh, assistant, we need friendless, we need this, I'm like- Yeah, so being, being able to like relieve your front desk of like some of these activities of like collecting bills, doing scheduling, like, uh, this this just frees up time at a point where you can't hire somebody even if you want to, or you if you do, it's going to be crazy expensive. Um, so I, I think these tools are, are going to get a lot more attention um, the coming year or two. 
Yeah, well, um, adding those online booking features and allowed to free up staff time. And as you said, there is a huge shortage, especially in Australia. But um, I'm not quite sure about US, but in no, Australia, a lot same, of people. Same thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so that um, feature is there to let people doing the self-service kind of thing to go ahead and book an appointment. It um, saves a lot of time, frees up staff time and... Um, yeah, it's beneficial, but with chat, live chat and all that, or not even live, if it's just the generating chat, you can add those uh, FAQ things when they open the uh, bubble, chat bubble, uh, there will be an FAQ, like two or three questions to guide them through pretty um, written ones, like do you want to pay your bill or do you have a question, you want to book an appointment, something like that to make it easy. Um, and uh, booking an appointment separate button as well as in the chat so you have multiple you mentioned it multiple uh, times somewhere that um, people can uh, find it easily wherever they yeah. look into really yeah you got to got to go to them um, before I think dentists were just complacent and we're like just call the front desk and let them do it but this people have become expectant that they can just pick up their phone and make accommodations, get, you know, food. Like we went from get, we got food delivered for the first time during COVID to our house, uh, like from the grocery store. We had never done that before pre COVID. Yeah. And same, like same. lots of changes happened that I think people are going to not want to change it and being able to book an appointment online with your dentist. Like that's, that's easy. Um, why not, why not just give them the option? You can still have the people call exactly. the front desk if they need to, exactly. but give, give them options. Exactly. True. Um, yeah, adding those extra options for those people who have, um, um, I don't know about young people, but I myself, I do everything online. I don't call um, yeah. I do everything online. It's just, yeah, I just get it done rather than getting on phone waiting for it to beep five times someone pick up. <laughs> I yeah, just get it, it done quick. So, so, sometimes that can waste a ton of time having to sit on hold or be on the phone. <laughs> um yeah i agree exactly so um that's that and uh what was the other question i wanted to ask about this yeah virtual consultation that was another thing that came around during COVID and became more popular what about virtual consultations do you think we should or dentists should keep it even after COVID, mm -hmm. or um we go back to in office consultation people um coming to, I come to the office I don't think that there is a lot to lose by leaving it up as an option, unless you notice that people who do virtual consultations don't seem to have, you know, the same level of, you know, case acceptance commitment. for some reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is more of a commitment to come in and do it, especially if you're going to consider doing it right then and there uh, versus like, well, let me think about it and get back to you. People can forget the pain can go away a little bit and then they put it off for another three months. Sure. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything to lose with having it as an option. Um, some people may just not have time to come in twice. Um, they may just want the convenience of trying that may feel like a little easier step. Um, a lot of dentists have put, you know, infrastructure in to do it. It's already there. Um, you can, tr you already have a, you know, remote payment link to pay for it. So why yep. take it away? Um, you know, I, I, so I would still continue to leave it up. I have seen some of our clients take it down uh, but just because there was no demand. And sometimes, you know, the, these tools that are, uh, you know, HIPAA compliant in the U.S. or that are, you know, for healthcare practitioners are like four times the price of like Zoom or something. Um, yeah. The I, a lot of our I, um, a lot of our laws got waived 
for uh, like telehealth um, during COVID though. Um, there was a lot of laws around like going across borders or things had to be like super secure and they, they just kind of threw everything out the window the first week. Like, well, we'll figure it out later. Um, and so a lot of those laws have stuck around or have, have rather have not come back. Um, so if you have an option that is not costing you too much money, it's still getting a little bit of usage and you're seeing conversion of, you know, inquiries to patients. Why not? Yeah, cool. Well, um, I agree with you to, to keep the option. Um, but if a dentist, some dentists are super busy and they're happy to just take in patients that come into the office, they don't um, want to do the virtual one. And the other ones, they are open to um, trying new thing. And if you have a, um, a specific process and you got to test and trial too, sometimes with different processes, you might make, um, you know, filter people who are not committed or serious and all that and um, just attend to the ones that are actually pre-educated and serious they know the pricing they know the process and everything based on the you know the way we educate them on the landing page on the videos and all that and they actually are interested uh, to get the initial information and find out whether it's a fit to go ahead and it's with virtual it takes lesser time I think and it's easier, you can quickly, you know, it's easier for both way. Um, yeah. Whether in office, the staff or the team has to prepare things and all that. It's easy both way, but you got to test to see if it works. Sometimes US is huge. I have clients in US and every state, every city, people can behave differently. Mm. Virtual consultation is not for everyone. Some yeah. people, it might not work for them, and it's better to get them in office rather than virtual. So yeah, it, it all the, depends the on the test. The, the, what you said about test and trial is absolutely true. Just track mm -hmm. the, the behavior of your patients and case acceptance for this, exactly. um, and just, just make sure it's working. Um, you should be doing that with with all these things same thing with chat like if yeah if it's yeah because because every time you this is this is the dark side of this or the, the other side of the coin i guess i should say um every time you give an option like there, there's going to be a percentage of people who would have called if there was no contact form mm -hmm. but some people just say oh there's no if i can't fill out a contact form forget it i'll leave and go somewhere yeah else. yeah and there and if you add online booking, you know, some people do it, but some percentage of those people who are doing the online booking, they would have called or filled out the contact form. And so you can go too far uh, with giving so many options where it's, you know, you're, you're hurting your conversion rate yeah. and it, it doesn't make sense anymore. So just, just make sure you're keeping track of things. You can justify the ROI um, and it's not becoming a negative. So how do you track to see which one is, let's say you put those two or three options um, um, I, I know myself, but I just want to ask you as well to see what you think based on your experience. You have you give a uh, call, um, live chat, online booking, contact form option, let's say four. And then um, after a while, you want to see, you want to track to see which one is converting more. How do you track? Do you just look at uh, the number of, like, let's say, calls? You see you have more calls and all that. You get rid of chats and stuff and keep the phone number only? How do you track? Well, the, the, the way that we're typically working with clients to track is uh, to help them discover what their ROI is from marketing investment, because that's really you know what they're holding us accountable for. And so there's a couple different layers to this, and you can go further and further with granularity if you have software that supports this, or you can kind of you know cut some corners and get a rough approximation. 
Um, so, the, you know, the first step, you know, we, we want to see call tracking numbers associated with each uh, marketing campaign. So if you're doing Facebook ads, you know, um, uh, Google ads, we have one client in Louisiana that had a, you know, that advertised everywhere. So like he had 15 different call tracking numbers, uh, for one for like each TV station, radio, newspaper, and he had 15 different domain names too. Um, so that way, if somebody typed in the domain name because they heard it on the radio, it would generate a different call tracking number on his same website and everything would kind of flow into this nice reporting system. Um, <laughs> once you get through the call tracking numbers, um, then you want to see, you know, if they're, uh, so you, uh, how, we, it's nice to see lots of calls, but are they actually resulting in appointments? So do certain, you know, ads produce a higher conversion rate? Because um, I, I remember like one of the TV stations for that guy in Louisiana, um, it, like two of the TV stations produced a lot of patients and the third one produced a lot of calls and like three patients. It was like 45, 42, three. And it was just night and day, um, even though a similar amount of calls. Um, so you want to track who they come. And then the last thing, of course, is like, well, are they, do they stick around for a while? Um, do they buy a lot of services or are they insurance based um, or on like Medicaid? Um, and so they're not high revenue clients. And so there's a lot of levels that you can keep going down here. Um, and it makes it a lot more confusing. I think at minimum, and it may be too much for most practices to produce that kind of data and understand it. Um, Cause you have to do it for a while um, and have baselines set up. Yeah. Um, I think just getting the, the calls and the conversions are probably good enough to start with, especially if you don't have anything in place. Um, that's how we like to think about it. Um, whenever we're, passing and then similarly on like contact forms or online booking if the tool supports it we pass along um these utm codes um that if you're a dentist listening us, just ask your your marketing people if they have a way to track you know where the leads are coming from into your online booking tool because some tools uh support it and some tools don't um and that's very frustrating for us as the marketing people to that we know that there's a lot of traffic going to a website but some of it's disappearing into this black hole that is whatever online booking or chat widget they're using. And yeah. we have no idea if those patients are converting or not. Exactly. Um, and so that, that can become very frustrating when someone, you know, when a client wants us to add a widget like this, and we, we will, it's, you know, it's their website, but we'll warn them that, listen, we're doing this marketing and you're creating another, you know, another door for people to open to talk to you. And we can't see if they go in there. So we're expecting our conversion rates to track, even though we don't, or, or to, to drop, even though we don't think they yeah. will. Um, and we can, we can we'll sometimes spot check with them with that after, because sometimes the people tell you where they came from and you can kind of approximate it. But that that's another thing I think you're going to see uh, change in, in the coming year or two is the interoperability between like marketing companies or people running ad campaigns and some of these tools. Um, you're going to start to see marketing companies, we already do, favor and recommend the the products that we can track um, and not just because we like the companies although we do but because it's better for everybody um, we can prove to the customer that their marketing is still working it's it's not ideal to have a tool that you're installing as a dental practice that's hurting your reporting um, it may be the best tool but you might not know um, so it's you're, you're kind of taking a bit of a blind leap there yeah cool yeah um it's best um, the CR. We have a CRM, so when we are doing especially ads for dentists, um, mm -hmm. all the chat widget forms, online bookings, and all that is linked to our CRM. So that's uh, wonderful. Uh, and the landing pages and all that. So it everything can be tracked that way. 
but if you're sending it to their websites, like in rare cases, uh, if they have a chat widget like from Swell or Podium, something like that, then those things, yeah, the conversion rate drops because we can't track those. The conversion might be higher than um, what it shows in the tracking and report, but um, we wouldn't know because people who go to those live chats and um, all that or online booking from a third party website, we can't track those. And a lot of the time we contact those companies to allow us to track those, um, but they don't have that um, ability to um, let us track or put a codes or something like that for that. Yeah, um, I, I think some of them, they, they have an ulterior motive there because if you, you know, if you put your, your widget on a customer's site and it costs, you know, say $500 a month, and then, you know, uh, 10 patients book through it, you can say, look, it only costs you $50 a patient. But it's like those patients weren't just magically coming into the chat. Like they got driven there by something, whether it yeah. was, you know, a referral from one of your patients, the, the letterbox drop you did, a billboard, radio, TV, digital marketing, you know, AdWords, yeah. SEO, Facebook. And so they're kind of taking credit for mm. other, for tailwinds or other marketing campaigns. And mm. I don't think they have a strong incentive to provide all the tracking there because I, like I said before, like it, it, I do think those tools are convenient and they should be used, but I think they're oversold in some cases and you have to be, and there's really no incentive for them to really connect the dots for, for, um, um, you know, the, the clients, uh, cause it, it, it starts to bring up some uncomfortable questions. Yeah, I can, um, I can see a huge lack of tracking there. It's just a feature and gives all the features, but you can't track like, um, the, the real conversion, uh, yeah. for example, like, um, and also it's just a feature. They don't look, it's not comprehensive to see whether it's suitable for that particular dentist or not. I had a dentist, I was talking to him. He was in a 12 month contract with one of these com companies, I wouldn't say name. Um, and what's, he was paying like 700 per month or something for that live chat. And I went ahead and checked. Did it, come with, did it come with anything else or is it just live chat? You know, team meetings and all that live chat, right. you know, text messaging, there's things, same things that we provide as well as part of our CRM when we put a live chat on our clients landing pages, but I went ahead and checked their website. They are only getting like 10, um, traffic per month, per month, like 10 people per month or something, oh whereas their competitors having seven, 800, 1000. I'm like, you're not even getting a traffic to use this 700 per month live chat there. <laughs> it's a 12 month contract. So I really fell for them. I was yeah. like, gosh, please check to see if this dentist is going to actually benefit from this um, or if not, suggest them something else, let them um, grow their traffic at the same time that they have live chat or help them to grow their traffic or refer them or something. Don't just sell that there saying, oh, this is really good. I, I really I felt like that's so unethical to not consult them properly and check properly to see whether this feature, it's great, especially after COVID, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. but um, it's not going to be beneficial in that um, dentist case, especially. And yeah, a lot, a lot of people want to sell things um, and they don't. Yeah, they don't what care. ethics? What about ethics? 
Well, you should be very careful if you're a dentist to sign such a long-term contract. I, the, yeah. I mean, it, there's, there is a rationale for signing a contract and especially for, and, and I think the rationale is it, it's essentially looking at it as financing a lot of upfront work. So, you know, if, and we, we don't do contracts, but we do charge for upfront services. Like if you build a website from us, we charge an upfront fee and then yeah. there's no contract and then it's month to month with the marketing. If you don't like it, you stop using us. Yeah. I, I think that aligns everybody's incentives, but there are, you know, we, we, we have uh, asked clients to sign a contract or at least commit to a period of work with us uh, because they wanted to finance the work. So they're like, look, I, I have, you know, $1,000 a month as the budget for the, for everything for marketing mm -hmm. and the website's going to cost more. So can you just spread that out over 12 months for us? And we're like, oh, okay, great. Um, so if there's a large amount of work that needs to be done up front, I think it's reasonable and, and, and where it makes sense. Like you, you don't want me, you don't want to pay me for 12 months to build you one twelfth of a website. And then, well, here's the other 12th. Like you really want everything done up front so you can get the full benefit um, yeah. immediately. And so um, I think it, it, in those cases, if you're financing it, a contract makes sense. But if you're installing a chat widget where it's like, install the widget, you know, add the logo, you're done. Like, where is the upfront work here? Where, what is the justification and the need for, for locking you into a contract besides, you know, SaaS business valuations, like for that company, like there's, there's no reason for that. You don't, there's no upfront work and it's, it's just to do it. There's, there's lots of options. Pick, pick ones that won't force you into a, a long-term contract yeah. Yeah. when it's a software product with a very short uh, setup cost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's true. So um, yeah, I feel for some of the dentists being burned that way. And then um, later on when they want to switch or find a better option, they're so um, hesitant and all that. And that's the right thing. You know that you can help them so much. There's so much opportunity there, but they're, they've been poor things have been burned so much that they're so scared to take a leap of faith and yeah, even though the justification is there big time and we have done it so many times uh but yeah unfortunately but i really feel for those dentists there are a lot of dentists out there need help more than we can help them really more than we can handle to help them really hmm. cool so covid again after covid any new marketing ideas new platforms that you recommend or you think would be the next thing in the line for dentists to get new patients, grow their practice, or uh, if you can also refer to dentists who are after a specific, um, we can talk about it afterwards, like if they're only after Invisalign lead generation or patient generation implants and all that, what sort of marketing will suit each of these groups? Um, so Invisalign, like, the, typically, the, the best tools that we typically have are SEO, Facebook, and AdWords. Um, and AdWords and Facebook are easier to get, you know, return on your investment quicker. Um, AdWords works very well when someone has an, in, you're trying to find someone who has an intent to buy. Like, if you're looking for emergency dental patients, and we have some practices that are, you know, they're, they're, they'll take a patient anytime, day or night. Um, they'll, they're fine with that. And they want like Facebook's the worst place to look for emergency dentists. Like there's no demographic like, besides like hockey players that are like very likely to like break their, you know, their teeth soon. Um, hmm. These are an emergency. So it only makes sense really to advertise in a way where it's intent is displayed. So with Ad, AdWords is perfect for that. You can draw a polygon on a map and show emergency ads for like broken tooth, bleeding gums, you know, or whatever. Um, emergency criteria you want to do. 
Um, Facebook's really good for targeting demographics, though. So, you know, someone like, like, um, like for example, uh, women who are between a certain age whose relationship status has changed, well, any age really, from single to engaged. Well, they are almost certainly going to want teeth whitening um, before their yeah. wedding. Um, the men too, but to a lesser extent. And like, so those, that is a demographic change um, that you can kind of uh, pick up on on Facebook and show. Um, same thing with like, you can reach moms who make, you know, 92% of the healthcare decisions. They make hundred percent in my family. Um, so being able to, being able to target specific demographics, you can target older demographics for dentures, um, you know, uh, uh, so, uh, and implants too. So if, if there's a, if you can think about like, um, your patient base and it's like, it's always the same type of person with like age, gender, you know, um, wealth, like sort of that, that is getting this type of service or procedure, then Facebook may be a tool for that. If it's more along the lines of some sort of life event, um, where like a cavity, a filling, um, you know, a, a crown that falls out, um, then it may be more uh, appropriate to do AdWords. And of course, you know, AdWords still works well too if somebody's looking for dentures, but um, you have additional tools available to you like that. So those still remain our, our favorite things um, to do and the most popular options, the most effective ones for, for our clients. So do you see the, the same thing or are there other tools that you've looked at that you like now? Well, uh, we mainly work with Google and Facebook, but mostly Google again, as you said, Google, they are high intent. They're looking for the dentist at that moment. And I don't, I, for Facebook, I say for high value services, mainly, as you said, you can target the demographic and you know, they possibly need that. If they're like newly engaged, it might be out of dental veneers or whitening, something like that to put the offer in front of them. Whereas um, on Google, there might not be let's say implants you can target a specific um demographic 40 plus on uh facebook and put the offer there and catch your interest whereas on google there might be only 70 or 50 or 20 people per month searching for implant um in that particular area it's really a small number however for general things life things even that you said it is very a lot more search volumes on Google than Facebook and Facebook people are there just to, as everyone said, to look at the cats and family videos and all that, yeah. not really after a dentist for general work. So the, it depends on the platform. But uh, what about other platforms like Instagram? I've, I see a lot of dentists on Instagrams these days are active and I'm not on TikTok, but it looks like when they post their videos on uh, Instagram, I can see the TikTok um, sign yeah. there. It means they are active on TikTok too, making funny videos. What do you think about those platforms? For the we the age demographics of TikTok, we don't believe are favorable for consumers making uh, dental purchasing decisions, and we we really you know to generalize it, we do think about like moms with kids as like the ideal patient for for most practices. Um, so we still tend to wait towards Facebook. We do uh, advertise on Instagram. It's easy to advertise on Instagram because it's owned by Facebook. Yeah. Um, we we started to do more um, geotargeting. So especially with dentist, like a lot of dentists will sponsor like their local school, um, and so they and you get like a little bit like you get a link on the website and a logo and you know maybe they'll mention you at the pep rally or something, um, and you'll get like a banner along the fence um, where like the pickup area is or at where the stadium is where the sports are played. And 
So one thing that we've done with some practices is we'll do geo uh, fencing of like specific events. So we'll run it every day, Monday through Friday, um, in the morning at pickup time and in the afternoon at pickup time. So, and if you go to the school, and I've done this at my local school, just to, just to test it, and like, yeah, it's like there's a ton of moms just sitting in a car looking at their phone, and we're serving them ads. Um, and for the dentist, who's also the sponsor of the school that they've seen and probably heard, and hopefully we'll, we'll get their attention that way, um, you can do the same thing with events, you know, in your mm -hmm. area. Um, if you sponsor like a sports team or something and they have a game, you can get the schedule and show ads. And, you know, you see parents supposed to be watching their kid, but hey, the innings changed and they're coming off the field and they'll let's take a look at the phone. Um, and then they see the ad on the, you know, on the fence and on the phone. Um, there's, I think those are uh, the, for, everybody has very accurate GPSs with them now. Um, Geotargeting software has gotten a lot better. Um, and there, and then you can serve retargeting ads to them after that. Everybody should just do retargeting for any paid search you're doing anyway. Um, but that, that combination has, uh, done well for some of our clients. Cool. So, uh, even though those banners are offline marketing and there was a time everyone was saying that online digital marketing is big and all that. So you're using a mixture of offline, a little bit of offline and online to get multiple exposure and, um, because I think it takes seven contacts, um, seven times contact until someone, you know, the brand sits in someone's mind and they remember. So you're using a mixture of both. Yeah, that, that, that's the old adage. I mean, we're, we're taking advantage of where the target demographic is um, in a combination with where there's already additional branding for the practice. And, and you can do this also with practices who are at busy intersections um, and have good signage. Um, well, you can, there's people waiting at that red light, you know, and I, I do it all the time. Um, we get to a red light, we'll check an email real quick or get a new song on Spotify, um, and take advantage of this. And maybe they'll, maybe you'll, they'll see an ad and they'll look up and that'll be enough for them to remember. Um, or maybe they'll click it. Um, so yeah, it, take advantage of those natural opportunities. Um, if they present themselves like that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you talk about banners and offline marketing. So you think it's still good to use it in mixture uh, with the digital marketing? Oh, sure. I mean, yes, people, we don't... Demographic. Yeah, I, I don't want to live in the metaverse. Like, I, I want to go outside and, like, other no, people do too. And there's, no. Yeah, there's, there's still, there, there are still places that people go. And especially when you think about, like, school or sports teams, like, there's a little bit of an emotional attachment um, to those and people, you know, kind of love uh, a bit the brands and uh, businesses that support them and they want to support them too. And so it's it's just an additional reminder of, of that you exist and that you're associated with where they are and hopefully they'll make the connection. Good way of looking at it. That's true. What about radio, radio marketing? And when you compare it to digital marketing, I think there is a huge mm -hmm. debate between where we do radio and TV and digital marketing, which one is better. Um, and with tracking, um, maybe back then they weren't tracking it very well, but these days, as you said, they can have different website address and phone numbers to track it. But yeah. um, if you want to compare it, which one would be more, um profitable in a way that you don't spending so much for a small gain yeah the I, I mean there's also podcasts now too and sometimes if the podcast is about a specific uh city or section of a city um that might be a good deal it might be interesting um to check out too if you're a dental practice 
radio, we don't do a ton of radio ads and typically the clients that do this have multiple locations kind of all around where the radio uh, broadcast can be received because it's a little wasteful to because if you think about like the big circle being broadcast by the radio tower and like if you're only able to serve a small slice of that or a small section it's like well you're just kind of blasting your advertisement out to all these people and does it really make sense to do to advertise to people who are just too far away and are never going to come yeah. to you yeah. um, but if you have multiple locations in a city um, if you are in like a more rural area and you offer some sort of specialty or implants or you have a steric machine or some reason that someone might drive a little further uh, to see you, well, then it starts to make sense. Um, and like you said, you got to have a tracking number. We would also recommend a tracking domain name. You know, so if your website is like drzara.com, you know, we would just say we'll get zarasmiles.com too. And then we'll just talk about zarasmiles.com on the radio with that tracking number. We forward everything to the main website. And so it all just kind of fits together and is tracked properly. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think about multi-location because radio can cover a bigger area. Uh, but if you have multiple locations, yeah, that can be beneficial that way. Yeah. Then you can get a lot more exposure for your investment and benefit from it and more people get to know your brand and then we'll practice that way yeah i feel i feel the same way about print and um uh, like in newspapers and tv it, it really i think is ideal under those conditions i described uh, the rural area with something special or um multi-location urban practices yeah i don't know if dentists check that if they're doing um, those type of marketing but they can always ask for um those tv radio or newspaper demographic and lace like how many people where they're located getting those data and statistics and see if it's a good target to invest um, in marketing with those platforms i reckon mm -hmm. um cool any other things that you'd like to share any golden tips nuggets things that dentists can take away and um benefit from it no, I, I, you ask good questions. Um, hopefully I've given your audience something of value. Um, and uh, right. yeah, hopefully they got something useful out of this and they can apply it to their practice and find some new patients online. Yeah, we definitely definitely covered from uh, different types of marketing from offline to online. It wasn't just online, which was good. And some good um, uh, views on even offline ones and who can benefit from it and have to uh, check if it's a good way of marketing or not. So yeah, it was pretty comprehensive. It wasn't just digital. All right, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, thanks for sharing all the information and um, all the tips. And um, it was an honor to have you on Dental Profit Machine Podcast. Um, uh, well, thank, thank you, Zara. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Have a lovely day or night. See ya. Oh, thank you.